Welcome to SportsCars, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your hosts, Chet Kovic and Lester Munson. Time to enter the smoke-filled rooms. How you doing, everybody? I'm Chet Kopic, along with uh, Lester Munson, ESPN legal expert. Very simply, the best in the business. We welcome you once again to Sports Court, brought to you by our good friend John Coyne and the marvelous people at American Taxi Chicago's primetime suburban taxi service. Lester, right off the top, I have this feeling that uh, the uh, National Football League Players Association may be uh, giving an appearance that... Uh, Indeed, it's unified in its battle with uh, the owners over a brand-new collective bargaining agreement. I think in roughly four to six weeks, certainly after the uh, uh, upcoming National Football League draft in April, I think this union, if there is no deal, will become fractured. That could easily happen, Chet. The DeMora Smith, the leader of the union, has a real challenge ahead of him. Uh, it is very difficult to keep NFL players supporting any kind of work stoppage. They all know that their average career is less than four years. They all know that if they're not playing, if they're not practicing, they are not getting paid. None of those contracts are guaranteed. It would be very difficult for Smith, who is still fairly new on the job, to keep these guys in any kind of solidarity. Uh, He has to keep telling them what the owners are trying to do. The players are listening right now. How long will they listen when they start to get itchy about summer camp Maybe you're right after the draft. Uh, we're going to start to see some players break away, and that's when the union's going to have a real challenge. The owners want that to happen. They want the union to break up. Then the owners can recapture the 18% of the revenue that they want. Although, as you told me, the uh, validity of the uh, upcoming NFL draft is, in fact, uh, a non-entity until a collective bargaining agreement is actually signed. There's absolutely no- If they do a draft in April, which they may, it has absolutely no legal binding effect on anybody who's involved in the draft. The only time it becomes legal is when, finally, the players and the owners make their agreement. Without a collective bargaining agreement, there can be no draft. In other words, if you're the best college player there is, at this moment, when the contract expires on March 4th, then you should be able to sell yourself to the highest bidder among all the 32 teams. There would be no draft. Uh, Probably the draft will be back in the agreement. When will that be? Will that be this summer? Will it be in September? But the draft is just an exercise in futility until the union and the owners agree on a collective bargaining agreement. So to uh, bottom this out, where do you think this will be four or five months from now? Four or five months from now uh, would be in July or August. I I would say that we're still going to be have owners and players bickering. Um, There's going to be some movement from each side, but not enough to make a deal. I I really don't see them making an agreement until after Labor Day, and by that time we're going to start to lose a Sunday or two Sundays of games and the league and the players will have some decisions to make on the schedule for 2011. I think it's going to go on for a while. What about the unification of the owners uh, from this perspective? Obviously, the uh, Rooney family in Pittsburgh is going to look at uh, uh, a CBA with the players, I would think, with a a much different perspective than, for example, a guy like Jerry Jones down in Dallas. The uh, Goodell, the commissioner, has a real challenge, just like DeMora Smith. He's got to keep the 
owners lined up. He's got to keep them quiet, which in the case of Jerry Jones is very difficult. (laughs) When the National Hockey League went into its lockout, Bettman had the authority to fine any owner who said anything about the lockout a minimum of $500,000. I am sure that Goodell has the same authority at this point. He's got to keep them lined up. The only way they can achieve what they want to achieve, which is taking something away from the players, uh, is to stay absolutely unified and absolutely solid. Let's go over to baseball. Uh, Problems on both coasts. Uh, Give us the rundown on what's transpiring right now with uh, Fred Wilpon and the New York Mets and with uh, the McCourts and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The McCourts are in a litigation limbo. Uh, They're in divorce court in the Superior Court of Los Angeles County. It is a very slowly moving kind of court system. Right now, Frank McCourt is technically the owner of the team, but there's a court order that says that his soon-to-be ex-wife has a voice in anything affecting the value of the Dodgers. So if he wants to sign a big contract for a big free agent, that obviously would affect the value of the team. She has to approve it. So they here are two people who cannot tolerate each other, who must now somehow cooperate in the management of the team. And it's going to produce uncertainties and difficulties for the Dodgers. Ned Coletti, all the other people will deny it, but you know they're all wondering, what are these two going to do to us next? How are they going to screw this up even more? I'm, I'm sure that if you're involved in the Dodger organization, things have been bad, and you expect them now to get worse. Meanwhile, if the dust was settled at Chavez Ravine, and Dodger ownership was legitimized in the eyes of the court, don't you have a feeling Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavs, would love to buy that ball club? Oh, that, that would be his golden opportunity. That's what he's been waiting for. He's got the money. He's got the willingness. Uh, He's going to get the Dodgers. Somebody's going to get the Dodgers when this is over at a bargain price. They're going to save themselves a couple hundred million dollars. Cuban uh, would love it. He loves the attention. Los Angeles market, that would be his dream scenario. No question about it. Meanwhile, with the New York Mets, uh, with the Wilpon family, where are they right now? Where are they going? The Wilpon family has a serious problem because of the Bernard Madoff situation. They were partners with Madoff. They invested in Madoff. They made profits on their investment with Madoff. In any Ponzi scheme, certain investors get paid huge profits during the scheme. That was the Will Ponds. Mm -hmm. And they used that money to keep the Mets uh, going. Uh, They now face a situation in which Madoff's bankruptcy trustee wants to collect back from them between $300 million and a billion dollars. He's going to collect something. We don't know how much. They tried to settle. They were locked in rooms for days trying to settle this. They didn't settle. I cannot imagine why the Wilpons would not have settled, but they did not. Now they're in for the battle. It's going to cost them millions in fees, and they're going to have to find somebody to invest in the Mets with them to pay for all this, or that team is going to be for sale. Would uh, you be surprised if uh, the name Chuck Dolan from Cablevision, the people who own the Garden, the Rangers, the Knicks, if they were to uh, suddenly emerge as uh, the uh, knight in uh, shining armor to help uh, bail out uh, Wilpon and the Mets? 
You know, if you live in Chicago, you kind of like to see bad things happen in New York, and you can just relish the idea of Dolan taking over the Mets. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I have never liked the Mets. I'm a Cub fan. Since 1969, I've hated the Mets. I would love to see Dolan become the owner. That would be the best thing that could happen. Now, meanwhile, you know, uh, we can spend hours bum-wrapping the Dolans. I mean, they're such easy targets, but you're probably aware of this. Forbes says that the value of the New York Knicks has gone up $50 million bucks over the past fiscal year. It, it is amazing. The, the, the Dolans get all the ridicule from us in the media, and everything they do seems to coin money. There's no question about it. There's one of them who rides horses in equestrian events. Even she is doing well. I mean, they, they, they seem to have the magic touch. Uh, they have money, they know how to spend it, and they know how to make it produce more money. Uh, here in Chicago, uh, different uh, venue because we're not talking about something that uh, is legalese. But if you're Tom Ricketts, if you're uh, in charge of marketing with the Chicago Cubs, apparently the Ron Santo replacement is down to two candidates, Bobby Keith Moreland, who would be my choice, Dave Otto, who's also uh, a tremendous guy, but uh, uh, tends to be somewhat uh, vanilla on the air. Uh, Who would your choice be to tag team with Pat Hughes? Um, it's almost impossible to find somebody who's going to replace Ron Sano. I think what the Cubs are doing, they're saying it's a successor. It's not a replacement. Dave Otto is a likable guy. He's done a great job pinch hitting for Sano. Uh, but my, my choice, and it would be a narrow, I, I would have to go with Bobby Keith Moreland. I love the way he played for the Cubs, a third base and right field in those Ryan Sandberg teams uh, in the middle 80s. He's got a little more personality. Every now and then the football side of him comes out and, and the mm-hmm. stuff pops out. I mean, he, he's he uh, y- you have the feeling that if something goes wrong, he'd like to go down there and hit somebody. And, and, you, and you sort of like that in the, in the analyst in the booth. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lester, I'm happy to report that the Cubs uh, uh, just informed me that they uh, have found no structural damage over the past 20 minutes at the friendly <laughs> confines. <laughs> One of my season ticket groups, we had a phone call last week. They want to move us over about six seats, and we're trying to figure out, do, does that give us any leverage with the Ricketts family? I don't think so. I don't think so, but we're trying to figure out something. We'll see. The price did not go up as much as most of us thought, so I think we feel good about that. And pitchers and catchers report. It's the best time of the year. They're now selling six-game plans. Six-game plans, which tells me tickets are available. That would tell you. I didn't know that. That's that's amazing. For the Cubs to be selling something like that, yeah, that's now, a whole what new What you world. can do, for example, is you can buy a primo ball game like the Yankees, the White Sox, uh, the Yanks coming in for the first time, I believe, since uh, 2003, maybe 2002. Right. You can buy the Yanks, the Cardinals, the White Sox for one ball game, but uh, as part of the hook, you got to buy two ball games in April when it's you know thirty nine <laughs> degrees in the uh, in the grandstands. Right. Well, uh, it, that is a sign though of the fact that it's not going to sell out this year the way it did last year because of the disappointments because of Panella abandoning the team and the Ricketts family has a little bit of a challenge there. They got to bring Cub fans back to the same numbers that they had. I think Panella building that franchise the way he did did enormous damage that has that really has yet to service. I, I think know. it sent out a very strong message that this this franchise is a loser. I don't want to be associated with it. I'm out of here. I think that might have woken a few people up. 
I sure hope so. And I don't think we in the media have done a a real great job of describing the nature and the extent of what he did to the Cubs. He was mailing it in earlier in the season, Mm -hmm. and then he just completely walks off, and we treat that like it's a normal event. That is not a normal event. He abandoned that team. Uh, It's like that coach who walked out on the Falcons uh, a few years ago. And he did do some serious damage, and I hope somebody there understands that and is doing something about it. He is Lester Munson, very simply the best of what he does, legal analyst, ESPN, television and uh, radio. I'm Chet Kopic. This, of course, has been Sports Court, brought to you by my good friend John Coyne and the marvelous people at American Taxi. You people in the suburbs, whether it's uh, Tinley Park, Winnetka, whatever the suburb happens to be, you can always rely on American Taxi because they are without peer. We'll catch you next time around. So long, everybody.